late. Uh, the parasha the is Lech The parasha is Lech In the parasha of Lech we meet up with, uh, with Avram Avinu. We meet up with Avram Avinu, and that meeting takes place in the second source here on the page by Yom Hashem El Avram. Lech this is like a personal communication between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Avram Avinu. And that's the first time that we meet up, really, with the living Avram Avinu. Of course, before that, before that, in the psukim preceding, the psukim at the end of Noah, we're introduced to Avram Avinu, but he's not really a personality. He's just a statistic. He's the son of somebody, the brother of somebody, and the husband of somebody. That's, that's Avram Avinu. So look at those psukim. You see that his name is Avram before it was changed to Avram, but that's not an issue in the story. The father, Terach, certainly called him Avram. Certainly called, called him Avram. Uh, this is a kind of a formulaic uh, uh, statement. In other words, first you have Terach, who was 70 years by Yoled, and then it says Vela told Dot Terach. These are two kinds of formulations of the same thing. When you say formulation, what you mean is you don't really understand why. The person who said it, that's me. Because I don't understand why the Torah has to repeat the statement that Terach had, had children and give us their names. But then, Pasuk Havchet, we have a bit of a story. Vayamot haran al penei terech aviv ve'eretz moladeto ve'ur kastim. So this is either, this is either a significant story or an insignificant story. In the previous generations in the Torah, it doesn't talk about anybody who died in the lifetime of his father. This is kind of a new, an interesting fact. So you could say, you could say that there's a story behind the story, even though the pasuk doesn't let on. Well, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, "Al Medrash Agada, Medrash Agada." You know that the the, the Tanaitic literature is divided up into you know halacha and agada. Halacha, we all know what that is. You do this, you don't do that, this is how you do it. These are the parameters, these are the limits, that's all halacha. And halacha is considered, somehow halacha, there's got to be some end point in halacha. You do it this way. Even if there's a difference of opinion along the way, eventually you have to come to some kind of resolution. Agadah, agadah is non-halachic material. Now this is a little tricky. What, what is non-halachic material? Another way of saying it is, it doesn't necessarily derive obviously from the pasuk. Right? It, it, somehow there's the pasuk, and there's the agadic rendition, and it's like a, a bit of a stretch, you know, to get from the pasuk to the agadah. If it wasn't that the chazal said it, if it wasn't that the tanaim, first tanaim and then later on the moraim, are the ones who said these agadot, we wouldn't find them necessarily very interesting. But since it was, in fact, Chazal who said it, so it means something. And yet Rashi consistently makes this distinction. 
between those statements in Chazal that he sees as relating to Pshat, this is what the words of the Pasuk mean, and those uh, uh, comments that Chazal made that relate to ideas very loosely connected to the words of the Pasuk. In this case, Medrash Agadah, Yeshomrim, Sheyeal Yedei Aviv Met. Now you could say that the fact is that Vayamot Haran Al Pinei Terach Aviv could mean he died while facing his father. Like, what does that mean? You die facing your father? Well, it could mean that it's the father who killed the son. Good. It could possibly mean that. Uh, so, he says, so Rashi says, Rashi says, Rashi says, that Terach complained about his son Avram. He complained to Nimrod. Nimrod was the king. Al shekitet et selamav that Abraham broke up the idols and threw them into the fire. The Haran Yosheh Omer Belibo. Haran. Right, who's Haran? He's a brother. So here you have like a, a not a very kind of great family situation. The father is trying to get rid of the son. Right, it's like Shakespeare. The father is trying to get rid of the son. So he goes to the king and he says him, he says, this guy is, is messing up my idolatry business. That's what Chazal said. He's sitting and he's thinking to himself, If Avram, Avram is victorious in this discussion between Avram and his father, I will go with him. In Nimrod not sayach, but if Nimrod wins, Ani Mishalo, Ugeshinitzel Avram, Shinitzal Avram. When Avram won, right, he was thrown into the Kibshana Eish, he got out of it, and he was he was okay. Amrulo uh, Haran Mishel Mi Ata. So they came, the, the soldiers came to Haran and said, Whose side are you on? Amar Lahem Haran Mishel Avram Ani. So they said, oh, you're from Avram. So we'll throw you, we'll throw you also into the, we will also throw you into the fiery furnace, just like we did to Av, Avram. It's the place in the, that the Kasdim made their fire. Ur or the word or with an u as opposed to or with a o that word means a fire or kasdim kasdim is the place where the where the kasdim were where uh, uh, that's why it's called or kasdim that's why it's called or kasdim rashi because rashi is rashi he looks up he looks up rashi he tells you this if he tells you that he says, just I want to finish the Rashi. He says, Menachem ben Saruk. Menachem ben Saruk is not only a street in Yerushalayim, but it's a real person. Actually, the street is right near here. Menachem ben Saruk. 
You should always look at street signs in Rechavia. They're very instructive. Anyway, Menachem Ben Saruk wrote a dictionary. And he called this dictionary Machberet. I don't know why. And we call it Machberet Menachem. The, the pamphlet of Menachem. It's not it's a, a slim volume, as you would say. And in that volume, he, ha, he tries to explain what words mean. And the way he does it is by comparing a word in one place with the use of the same uh, root letters in another place. And usually, he tries to bring two examples to defend a particular uh, explanation. So he says, Menachem ben Zeruk Pirish O Ur, Ur, remember that word Ur, Bika, a valley. A valley. So Ur Kastim means the valley in the land of the Kastim. In other words, it's the name of a place and not the recollection of an event. Not the recollection of an event. But you know, according to Rashi, of course, to Rashi, he doesn't ask us to choose. For Rashi, all the commentary, comments that Rashi makes are correct. He doesn't think that something is correct or something. That's why he, you know, even though, even though David Fardu, who wrote a very uh, good, important commentary on, the, on Rashi. Rav David Fardu. Rav David Fardu wrote a lot of Sfarim, and each one of them he called something David. Right? The Chasdei David, or the Tosefta, and the... I'm losing it. I forget which one it is on Rashi, but he wrote a parish on Rashi. In his parish on Rashi, Rav David Fardu, and the Hamalek was used to quote this all the time, for some reason, that, that uh, Rav David Fardu was the author of the theory that when... when uh, when Rashi quotes two comments, he, he feels that neither of them is sufficient. It's sort of like, uh, the first one is not as good as it should be, so I'll tell you the second one. And the second one is not as good as it should be, so we have the first one. But I think, I think, uh, not that I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with him, I'm just saying it's always seemed to me that when Rashi quotes two comments, he means they're both correct. They're both completely correct, right? When he says, they're both completely correct because he, this is the way he thought about things. It's certainly the way he thought about the Torah, that the Torah was not limited. It may be that you could distinguish in the various comments a pshat, from a, non, a pshat comment from a non-pshat comment, but that's nothing to do with right and wrong. That has to do kind of methodology. Method, methodology. So Rashi says, First thing that Rashi says is Medrash Agada. And the Medrash Agada is that the family was coming apart. That that before HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Avram Avinu, leave. Right? Leave your family. The family was already coming apart according to Rashi. It wasn't as though Avram was asked to leave a good thing to leave a warm and friendly, uh, happy family situation, but he was asked to leave a situation which was falling apart according to, according to Rashi. According to Rashi, now you could think that this has something to do with, only with Avram's family, or it's a statement about something that Avram himself would have to fix. 
And you know that Avraham had difficulty establishing a family or the family that we see as a family. And he made a detour when he realized that his wife, who, who uh, he didn't want to exchange for another wife, but he realized his wife would probably not have a child, right? So he, he somehow thought, and she thought, and they thought that, that uh, Hagar would be able to replace Sarah. And this, was, this idea that people are interchangeable, and in the family that they are interchangeable, is an idea which the Torah points out quite clearly does not work. It, does not, it doesn't hold water. So here you see that Avram Avinu, the background of Avram Avinu receiving a command from a Kodesh Baruch Hu was a, 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 a very bad family situation. And on the other hand, Avram Avinu had to learn. I mean, part of what he was learning in his sojourn around Eretz Kenan and his meetings with uh, 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 different people and his attempt to retrieve Lot. Remember Lot? Right, he was unsuccessful in his attempt to uh, 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 retrieve Lot. So that Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu uh, uh, had difficulty, had other family difficulties besides Haran, whose death he kind of caused. It was almost his fault that somehow he didn't explain to Haran what you could, you can't just jump into the fiery furnace. That's not the way it works. That somehow he was the cause, according to Rashi, of the death of, of, the death of Haran, and also apparently of, of his father. They didn't get along with his father, so that the establishing of a new family, I mean, you could say in modern kinds of terms, this could have developed in Avram a kind of a negative feeling about people he was close to. He would never, never really get close to people. He wouldn't really get close to, to Lot. And he wouldn't really get close to his wife or his surrogate wife, Hagar. This was, and then, and then Yishmael, even though he does have, I mean, it's, if you remember, he does have a kind of a, of a soft place in his heart for Yishmael, right? For Yishmael, he turns to God and asks for mercy about Yishmael, interestingly enough, interestingly enough. But this is the background. This is the background that Rashi establishes for us in this case. Now, we go on in the, in the Psukim. We go on in the Psukim. Haran holidet lot vayavat haran v'neiterach aviv beretz muladeto be'ur kastim. So ur kastim, it was either, according to Rashi, named after the event, which was so remarkable and noteworthy, or it's simply the designation of a place in the land of the, of the kastim. Vayikach avram v'nachor lahem nashim, Shem Eshet Avram Sarai Vishem Eshet Nachor Milka Bat Haran Avi Milka Vavi Yiska. So, I mean, after all, and this is different, in the ten generations from Noah till Abraham, there's no discussion about who married who and who took who and who, who left who out, and, and all of that is new. And it gives us a hint that part of the story. Part of the story of Abraham, which largely takes place in, uh, in Lech Lecha Vayera, right? The next parashiyot, part of the story of Abraham is establishing a family. In order to establish a family, 
he has to decide on what a family is or he has to learn what it is that he thinks a family is I think from uh, listening just listening around to what's going on a lot of young people don't really think about that don't think about the, uh, the tougher side of getting married and Sarah was not able to have children. She was not able to have children. Ain't love a lot. Pasuk lo lamed alif. Vayikach terech et Avram beno v'etlot ben Haran ben beno v'esarai kalato eishet Avram beno vayitzu itam yur kastim v'alechet arza kenan vayavod Haran ad Haran vayesh vusham. This is a like a, a, a little noticed, but in my opinion, a critical pasuk for understanding the story. Like what is going on? Look at this pasuk. Suddenly, suddenly, uh, Terach is rejuvenated. He assumes leadership of the family, and he takes Avram Beno, that Lot Ben Haran Ben Beno, these people who he's responsible for. Vetsarai Kalato And he takes Sarai. He takes Sarai. Not as the Mephoshim point out, it's not Avraham who takes Sarai, but it's Terach who said takes Sarai. You know, it is though it was up to Terach. He Terach could have said, eh, forget her. Leave her here. I mean she doesn't have any children anyway. What difference does it make? Leave her here. So he said, No. Terach made the decision. He said at Sarai Kalato Eishad Avram Beno, Vayetzu Itam Meur Kastim. So where were they? They were all in Ur Kastim. All of these, all of these people in Ur Kastim. They had the story with Nimrod. That's what happened. And the Kivshana Eishad, the fiery furnace. All that took place in Ur Kastim. And then Vayetzu Itam Meur Kastim Lalechet Arza Kina. Now, isn't that the most remarkable thing that one could imagine? No? It's not remarkable? Of course it's remarkable. Because here they are. They're on their way. They have their triptych, you know, camels. Camel take, go to the left, to the right. They're going to Eretz Kenan. And we say, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Abraham Avinu, Lech Lecha, and that Eretz Asher Areka is Eretz Canaan. So usually we don't ask the question. It's like it's like located in a bad spot. The first pasuk is in last week's parsha, and the second pasuk is in next week's parsha. So we kind of learn to kind of separate them out. But how is it possible? How is it possible that we could think highly about Avram Avinu for Hakadosh Baruch telling him to go where he was going? I mean, he was going for some reason, an unknown reason. He was going to Eretz Canaan. He wasn't going anyplace else. I mean, of course, when he was going to Eretz Canaan, he was being led by, by Terach. And now he's being fortified. He's being fortified by Kodesh Bogu. But what's the big deal? I mean, he's on his way. It's not like a Kodesh Bogu said to Abraham, you want to go to the greatest place in the world? Go to Disney World. You know, or something. 
something like, or go to some place which is really great. That's not what happened. Kodesh Baruch said to Avinu, go to the place that you're going to. Okay. Why did Terach want to go to Eretz Kenan? We don't know. We don't know. It's, I guess it's unimportant. Or maybe Terach wanted to go to Eretz Kenan because it was a little hot for him already in Urkastim. It wasn't, it wasn't a place. It was not a place. So it says in the Pasuk, it says in the Pasuk, Haran. Vayavo at Haran. Haran is a big town. Right in Babylonian, of some dialect or other, Haranu. Haranu means a, a uh, red apple rest. You know, it's like a place where a lot of caravans came through and they stopped there. They had, they had the, you know, they could accommodate people who were passing through, either going towards Canaan and Egypt or coming from Egypt, Canaan, Bovel. Right? That was a, a trade route. It was a trade route on which you could earn some money. And people used it all the time. So they were going from Ur Kastim, which is someplace in Babylonia, Ur. Right? The word Ur in Babylonian means city. City. Like, the city is called Shalem in Babylonia. River Malki Tzedek, Malki Tzedek Melech Shalem. Everybody says that it's Yerushalayim. Well, it is, in spite of the fact that everybody says it. What's Yerushalayim? Yerushalayim, Uru, Uru, U R U, is a diacritical uh, uh, designation for city. So it's like the city called Shalem. The city called Shalem. Now people who were just in Ulpan, Babylonian Ulpan, so they told them this is Uru and this is Shalem. says, oh, you're Shalem. <laughs> it's like a little unromantic. Didn't we just say Uru was fire or Bikah? The what? Didn't we just say Uru was fire or Bikah? Yes. And it's also city? It's what? It's also city? Like here? No, no. That's Ur. Yeah. It's a different word. Uru. This is Yeru. Oh, Yeru. Okay. Uru in Babylonian. This is my years of studying Babylonian. That's it. I don't know anything else. That's all I know. It took me years to learn this. No, oh, I also know about Mar Tell us. By, uh, my daughter, my daughter got married, my daughter Shira got married, she wanted to get married on Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan. Her future mother-in-law, her future mother-in-law said, you can't do that. Because Cheshvan is an unhappy month. Mar Cheshvan. So they sent a delegation then to Rabbi Yashiv, you know Rabbi Yashiv, the last word. So they told him the problem. And uh, he said, why not? No reason you can't get married on Rosh Chodesh Cheshwa. So my daughter's future mother-in-law came out and she said, he probably didn't understand the question. <laughs> and she got married on Rosh Chodesh Kislev. But in fact, 
the second month in Babylonia, that month or the seventh month, Cheshvan, is called Warach Shamnu. Shamnu is eight, the eighth. Warach in Babylonian is Yareach. Yareach is a month. It just, it just means the eighth month. Right, Nisan, Eosivan, Tamas, Elul, Tishrei, Cheshvan, the eighth month. That's all, that's all. It doesn't have anything to do with Mar, bitter. And people say it's bitter because there's no holidays in it. Yeah. Right, after after uh, Tishrei, Tishrei, it's enough holidays for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's a happy thing. It's a happy thing that there are no holidays. <laughs> So that's it. That's Babylonian. Okay. So then, and then it says, So that may be a critical, a critical note here. Right? We don't know what what means. They took up some kind of residency. It was permanent residency. It was temporary residency. I mean, it was, even though they were on their way to they were on their way to Kanaan. They kind of got stuck in Haran. That's what it says. Haran. Okay, if you look at the last Rashi, another comment, noteworthy comment. No, let's look at Pasuk, I'm sorry, the last Pasuk will do both. Where you, Vaikach Terech and Avraham, this seems like a really simple thing that Terach died in Haran it seemed of a natural death but this becomes a great issue this becomes a great issue if you look at Rashi uh, you see that Lamed Bet the first wide line in the Rashi so Rashi says, I'm gonna prove to you that that Terach did not die in Haran. But he died after they came to Eretz Canaan. So if that's the case, as Rashi presents it, and Rashi depends on the Seder Olam, like there's a, like a book of dates and you know, uh, genealogies that Rashi accepted as being uh, factual. So he says, So why does the Torah say, Vayamot Terach Becharan, if he didn't die in Haran? He died in Eretz Canaan later on. Question. So fine. So Rashi has some kind of rationale for why it was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu killed Terach at the end of the parsha of Noach instead of letting him live on till the parsha, the middle of the parsha of, of Lech Lecho. In order that the people shouldn't say that, that uh, Abraham abandoned his father 
when God told him to go to Eretz Canaan. Apparently, when God told him to go to Eretz Canaan, he didn't take Terach with him. Okay, okay, one more point in the Rashi. One more point. Becharan, uh, you see the last line in the Rashi? No? That word, Charan. So Rashi says, Hanun Hafucha. Anun hafucha. You see that the nun, the way it is printed, is the way the the nun is more or less written in the Sefer Torah. Like, can you imagine a vav? It's like a bent head and a staff, right? And the nun just continues further down below the line. The vav is till the line. I mean, actually, in the Sefer Torah, they hang the letters, but we don't do that usually. We usually write on the line. In those days, they hung the letters from the line. Uh, I guess either it's the same, more or less. So here, Rashi quotes what apparently is a Midrash that says, Hanun hafucha. That if you looked at the Sefer Torah carefully, you'd see that instead of the Nun going like this, it goes like this. That's called the Nun hafucha. Instead of facing forward, it faces backward. Now this factually it does not exist for us we we don't have any such sifrei torah all of our sifrei torah the nun is written in a regular in a regular way it's not it's not hafucha uh, in fact the minchat shai of yedidya notri nortzi yedidya nortzi who wrote a commentary on the Mesorah, which is often printed in various editions of the, it's a bad sentence, which is printed variously in editions of the Mikraot Gidolot. I mean, it's an accepted commentary on the Mesorah. He writes that he looked all over and he couldn't find a Sefer Torah that had a Nun Hafucha. So if this is the case, we could assume that Rashi also didn't have a Sefer Torah with a Nun Hafucha, my humble opinion. But it didn't matter to Rashi because there is such a statement in Chazal. It says that there's a Nun Hafucha, there's a backwards Nun, until Avraham there was anger, facing forward, and then it was reversed. The anger kind of dissipated, uh, God's anger against the world dissipated with Abraham. He created, he created a change, he created a change, and therefore, therefore, Vayabot Terach Becharan, why is this emphasis made? After all, Rashi explained to us that Terach died in Kena'an, so why is it that the Torah says Vayamot Terach Becharan? So there are two reasons. One, because they didn't want the Goyim to think that Avram was not, uh, did not give proper honor to his father. One, one thing, you know, the Maral said that, uh, that Avram really didn't have a father. His father. He kind of disconnected himself from, from Terach. But certainly people outside of didn't learn the Maral wouldn't get that. They would think, they would think that Avram was leaving him behind, was not concerned about him, was not involved with him, even though Avram was involved with Lot, but Avram was not involved 
apparently with Terach. Right? And then uh, Rashi gives a second reason. A second reason that Avram was new. Avram had to start over again. Everything had to be reestablished. And it was very important that he dissociate himself from Terach. And, and therefore, there's the Nun Hafucha to tell us that. The Nun Hafucha. So you say, ah, there's no, there is no Nun Hafucha. Well, I think we could agree that whoever wrote that there's a Nun Hafucha probably saw a Nun Hafucha, yes? And even though it became standardized over time, that when we write the Sefer Torah, when we write a Sefer Torah, we don't turn this Nun around, we keep the Nun straight. That doesn't mean anything for Raj. It doesn't change Raj's position. Have I uh, been confusing? Rashi doesn't quote a chazam. They didn't quote? Rashi doesn't quote a chazam. It just says this is it. Rashi does not explain, tell us his source for the Nur Hafucha. Okay, so but there's two possibilities. One is that Rashi had one, had a text that had a Nur Hafucha, and the other is that he didn't have a text that had a Nur Hafucha. We have no evidence, as far as I know, I'm happy to learn to the contrary, that there was, uh, in that time, in the time of the Rishonim, that there was a, a Tzayfet Torah with a Nun Hafucha. So that means to me that Rashi got this from a book. Some, some uh, book written by Tanoim or Moroim, so what we call them, we call them Medrashim, right? Medrashim, Aloha, Medrashim, Agoda. In that book it said Nun Hafucha, so, and then gave the reason. So what Rashi is really interested in is in the reason that something happened at this point that changed the world. That's what Rashi is interested in. And certainly if Chazal said that, it must be true. I mean, it doesn't matter what the peg was that they hung it on. As an idea, it must be an acceptable idea. That, that's how we do it, right? Don't we say things that we think are right? And we ignore things that we don't think are right. So that, that's what happened. That, that is what happened. So now, let's go on. Let us go on. This is our Pasha. We've asked all the questions already that, that, uh, that God says to Avram. It's as though a new beginning, a new start. So again, it could be that the new beginning is, even though he was on his way to Canaan, he was on his way to Canaan in a family unit that became discombobulated, right? There was no family unit anymore. He got rid of his father and Haran is gone and only Lot is still with him and eventually that will prove to be faulty as well. But this was, this was what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Avram Avinu. Not Lech Lecha, but Me'artzecha, Me'moladetecha, Me'vetavicha. Leave everything, leave everything behind. This is the great challenge of modern orthodoxy, right? This pasuk, this pasuk, the great challenge of modern orthodoxy, because because the the uh, Haredi world, the Haredi world, even though they of course are not uh, uh, far from perfect, far from perfect, but they they argue that if we don't keep ourselves very much separate and distinct from the rest of the world, we're going to lose. That's what they say. Uh, modern orthodoxy says, modern orthodoxy says, no, no, you can be very involved in the world and still win. I mean, it's really like, that's the, the, the bottom. And within each group, 
there are variations. You know, some going more to the let's separate ourselves from the from the world, and some saying, you know, we can put up with it. We can we can uh, uh, live with uh, an integrative principle in the world, even though uh, we have different we have different ideas. So here, what Hakadosh Baruch said to Avraham Avinu was, "Me'artzicha mi'moladetcha mi'beit avicha el ha'aretz asher ha'eka." And el ha'aretz asher ha'eka means, from now on, from now on, the only thing you can do it may look exactly like what everybody else is doing. They look like everything else, it all looks the same. But you have to do it because it's a mitzvah. This was the chidush of Avram Avinu. Not that there is a God, even though Chazal attribute to Avram Avinu the idea of a, a single God in the world, and the Rambam quotes that in the beginning of the Chazal Zorah. This is all true. Everything you say is true, but I add on to that. I add on, and I say that Avram Avinu Avinu was the, the person who was charged with making everything into divine will. That was his charge. And so, Kodesh Baruch said to Avinu, you're going to Canaan anyway, that's true. You're going for whatever reason you have to go. That's also true. But now, you're going to go because God tells you to go. And this is going to be the essential change. And that's why, that's why in history, in history it's true that, that the Jews have taken this to heart. And there's a whole world, there's a whole world of, of minhagim that we, that we keep and we kind of adhere to. Minhagim. And what, what is a minhag? It's the way that God wants us to go. Who said? We said. How do we know? Oh, we have leadership, we have people, we have, we have direction, but we want to put more and more into the category of God told me to do it. God wants me to go this way. And that's what Avram Avinu, that's what Avram Avinu was. And that's the positive Yishayel, Avram Ohavi. Ohavi, because when two people love each other, when two people, I'm, I'm an incorrigible romantic. When two people love each other, they know what the other person wants. You don't have to say it. You don't have to say, you know, I want a newspaper. <laughs> you know, or I want a cup of tea. Or I want a, uh, my pillow. You don't have to say it. You know, that, that's, that's the whole, but it's what the other person wants. And that's what Avram Avinu was charged to become. He was supposed to become the person who had this feeling about what God wanted of him. Besides all the direct commands. He had a lot of direct commands, but there were also intuitive positions that Avraham Avinu assumes. He saved Lot. He was trying to stay the Stomba Mora. He had intuitive positions that he adopted. That he adopted on his own. And he said, he came and he argued with God about Stomba Mora. What do you mean? Why do you argue with God about Stomba Mora? Because, because he knew what God wanted. You know, you know, you know what I mean? He knew that it couldn't be. That's why he brought it up. That's why he made the conversation. He knew that God wouldn't kill 50 people for no particular reason at all. He wanted to make sure everybody else in the world would know it. So he took that big chance. I mean, what happens if God would have said to Abraham Avinu, I'm like, you know, 
Why kill them by longitude and latitude? You know, if you're within this grid, you're, you're gone. What would happen if God said that to Avram Avinu? He would be out of business. Avram Avinu knew what God wanted and knew it, but he wanted it to come out. He wanted to come out of the open so that he could present it to the rest of the world. That was Avram Avinu. He was a presenter. But he was also the intuitive person. That's why Hazal say that Avram, Yisra, and Yaakov, Ovos, kept the entire Torah, including, including mitzvot de Rabbanan, what we call mitzvot de Rabbanan, things that, that certainly didn't exist before David HaMelech and Shlomo HaMelech, and, 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 but they did on Jake Nesadagdola. He kept everything. He kept everything because, because once you're in that kind of frame of mind, you're able to intuit things that you weren't able, that other people would not be able to intuit. So Avram Avinu, HaKadosh Baruch said to Avram Avinu, V'yomer, V'yomer Hashem el Avram lech lecha me'atzecha me'latcha v'et avicha. I know that you are going there anyway. But this is the change in the world. Not that there is a God, because I guess people believed one way or the other, one, man, one manner or another, that there is a God. That was not in itself. It, of course, there's a difference between idolatry and serving one God. But uh, the point is, the point is that, that people knew about God. What they didn't know was that God had demands on people, requests of them things that they should do, that God presented them with the better way and the, and the less, uh, less good way. Now, just to see, I'm, I missed out on this. Uh, the, let's look quickly at the Ramban. This Ramban, if you have a chance, look at the Ramban. This parasha remains difficult. Why would God tell Avram Avinu, leave your country and I'll give you everything you ever could imagine? So, so why don't the, doesn't the Torah explain anything about Avram Avinu? Why doesn't the Torah just put us in the middle of a story where this story is the most important story in the world in some in a manner of speaking? Right? You know, you'd say it's like a toss-up. You always say, what's more important? Moshe Rabbeinu giving the Torah Misinai or Avram Avinu understanding that there had to be a Torah? I mean, which was the which is the most uh, 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 impressive story that is told in the in the Torah. So he says, Minhag akatuv leimor talech lefanai v'tishma v'koli v'tiva imach Hashem v'davidu v'shlomo k'inyana Torah kula v'chukotai telechu im shoah tishbu'u v'kal Hashem elokecho v'yitzchuk omar, etc. v'al ha'ptichu v'avu yitziyat ha'aretz e'mo ta'am In other words, all the time in the Torah there is this promise, God said, if you keep the mitzvot then you will get a reward. So the Ramban says, that makes sense. It's a deal. It's a deal. You do your part, and God will do his part. But here, why should, why should Avram Avinu be worthy of all the brachot just because he left Haran to go to Eretz Canaan, which is where he was going anyway? What was the big deal? Why was he going to get this, this bracha? 
מפני שעשו אנשי אור כסדים עמו רעות רבות על אמונתו והקדוש ברוך הוא והוא ברח מהם ללכת ארצה כנען ונדכא בחרד ופיבל אין אור כסדים made him miserable and he was forced him to run away אמר לו לעזוב גם אלו ולעשות כאשר חשב בתחילה שתהיה עבודתו לא וקריאת בני האדם לשם השם בארץ הנבחרת ושם יגדל שמו והתברכו בו גויים מהם לא כאשר עשו עמו ברוך הסטים שהיו מבזים וכללים אותו זה איזה פשט איזה סיפור פשט איזה סיפור הקדוש ברוך הוא עושה את אברהם אבינו ווזלט go to ארץ כנען you will flourish there The people will not do to you in Eretz Canaan what they did to you in Ur-Kasdim. כשהיו מבזים וכללים אותו, ושמו אותו בבור או בכבשת האש, ואמרו לו שיברך בברכה ויבכין מכללי יואר, וזה תם הפרשה. אוקיי? So the Ramban has a pshat. His pshat is not so much that going to Eretz Canaan is a mitzvah, even though the Ramban is the one who thought that going to Eretz Yisrael, living in Eretz Yisrael, is a mitzvah, as opposed to the Rambam, who apparently did not, was not sure that it was a, that it was a mitzvah, but he says, he says, that's what's going on in the beginning of, of Lech Lecha, which I think is less, a less impressive kind of story. Now let's look quickly, we have a little time, at the Shemi Shmuel. I won't tell you who the Shemi Shmuel is, you should know. Shemi Shmuel is in the parish of Baalotcha, right, in Bamidbar. It's found in an odd place, but if you look around, you can find it. Right, Baalotcha, Shem Yishmur. Hinei dugmat b'riyat ha'olam, aita b'riyat ha'avot. You see, like, it's 800 years later, and Shem Yishmur says, you know, it's like the same theme. It's the same theme in the Torah. The world is created, and then the avot are created. וכמו בריאת העולם הייתה בריאת האור. And there was light that was created with the avot, just like there was light created in the creation of the world. כן היה אברהם אבינו שכתוב בו, so what's the proof? בעבר הנהר ישבו אבותיכם מעולם, הפסוק in the end of יהושע. It said, Be'ever ha'nahar. Be'ever ha'nahar means on the other side of the, of the river. So people looked at that, I mean, commentaries looked at that, they said, why do we have to always be called the ones who came from the other side of the river? That doesn't sound so good, you know, like coming from the train stockyards or something. Well, would it be the other side of the river? So, the Shemi Shmuel says, V'yidu in divrei Ramban. He says, we all remember, and if we don't remember, we'll make believe we remember. The Rea Ramban, Reish Parashat Miketz, Shenahar, Ulishon Ora. Nahar, the Hebrew word Nahar, means river. And the Aramaic word Nahara means light. So, so uh, he says, Haidu Shayu Yoshrim, Me'ever Ha'ora, Shehu Kodem, האורה שהיה עולם חושך ואפלה. He says, why are they called, why did we say B'nai Yisrael came מעבר הנהר? They came from the other side of the light. Right? There was עבר. There was the, the dark side. They came, they came from the dark side. ובאברהם ואיר לעולם. 
והיה אברהם דוגמת האור שנברא ביום הראשון, אברהם אבינו הוא אקזקטלי דסי, אז הלייט שהוא חסד ואהבה, רפרזנטינג חסד ולאב, כמו שכתוב בפוסק אדמיכו, חסד לאברהם. וימנה מרשעים אורם. You see that? וזרוע רמה תישבר. וימנה is to prevent. Right? וימנה מרשעים from the evil ones אורם, their light. Now, what could that possibly mean? What light are we talking about and what is being prevented or how is it being prevented? So he quotes the Zohar. You know, the Zohar is like a medrash. The Zohar is like a medrash. It's not true that if you learn the Zohar, you'll start being able to fly around the room. That's probably not true. But there is a lot of interesting material in the medrash. It hasn't yet been properly uh, looked into and where it all comes from. Right, you know, I mean, up to now people were thinking about who may have done it, who put it together. But uh, it would be interesting to know where all these things come from. So the, the Zohar said, Da Nimrod. The reference is to Nimrod. Remember Nimrod, who threw Avram Avinu into the furnace? Uvenei those of his generations, as the Ramban said, the Nofak Avram Minaihu. He left them. Who yatsa mehem? He Abraham. Hakadosh Baruch said to Abraham, "Lech lecha me'artzecha," which meant, "Take the light that you have away from them." Who is them? Them is Nimrod and his whole chabura who threw you into the furnace, right? The nafak Abraham inayu the haviyoram. He was their light. Another opinion, the same pasuk, the references to Terach and the people of his household. Oram da Avraham. Right? Oram, that's Avram. He's the one who had the light. Ha'or lokativ ela Oram. It doesn't say Ha'or. As though Avram has light, it said he. It was their light, the light of Terach, the light of Nimrod, because the light was there with them. And so Hakadosh Baruch Hu said 
Lech lecha me'atzecha 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 You are not, you are not for living there with them. You have to separate yourself because they just corrupt, they corrupt the light. Gemoshe v'hinei mikraze atzmo nidrash al genizat or Remember that Medrash that Rashi quotes that well, what happened to that or? It was put away, it was sent to Olam Haba so that the, so that the people, uh, the tzaddikim would have, uh, be able to reference it in Olam Haba, not the Rishaim in the Olam Hazeh. All of these interpretations are similar. The Kemoshe Ganasa or Shinivrabi Yomari Shon. Shalogishtam Shubo Harishaim Lechitsoni Yutka now. They shouldn't use it for their own purposes. Kain Avram Avinu Alava Shalom Shemoladetova Tobet Aviv Shayalem Chibur Elav Ayah Chesed Avraham Meir Alehem Mimele. In order to create Avram Avinu, in order that the world should understand what blessing there is in this individual, he had to separate himself from the community from which, which he came. Because as long as he was in Ur Kastim, or as long as he was later on in Haran, they would be benefiting from the Or and corrupting it. And he had to go to a place where the light that he brought into the world would not automatically, automatically be corrupted. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said something to him that was totally different than Terach's idea. Terach said, let's go to Eretz Kedan we'll be able to make money. There's some way to, to, we could build shopping centers and everybody will make a lot of money. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said something different to Avram Avinu. He said the world, as you're being integrated in the world that you were brought up in, is corrupting you. And in order to avoid that corruption, you have to have but not just to go to Eretz Canaan, but you have to understand that you have to extricate yourself This idea, this idea which is found here in the Shem Yishmur, is also found in, uh, in other Hasidish Svaras, the Svata something, something difficult, uh, something similar. The, the, the point is, the point is that this is a mystery, the mystery of how much you could be together and how much you have to be separate has not uh, made itself entirely known to us, I think. And uh, we're not always able to kind of navigate ourselves in the right way, but the first person who dealt with the problem, according to the Shem Yishmuel, was, uh, was Abu Mabinu. So, uh, have a good Shabbos.